My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon from Cana. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus. Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received Without cost, you are to give. The Gospel of the Lord. Not too long ago, a young man asked me to share my story about becoming a priest. And I kind of laughed because I said there's the long version and the even longer version. Many people imagine a vocation story is going to be something undeniable, like I was born with a collar around my neck, or that there was this definitive burning bush moment where God made it abundantly clear. And perhaps that comes from encountering gospel passages like this one. We hear Jesus calling the 12 disciples to become his apostles, and we imagine that that was their destiny, that they were set apart from the moment they were conceived and that they were just playing out their assigned roles. Many things, though, stand out in my heart and my mind that I can remember as signs and things that led me to recognizing God's call in my life. Even as far back as kindergarten, when our pastor, Father Whalen, left a note from my parents when he had stopped by on a Sunday afternoon. The poor Irish priest didn't realize that the Churn family was very Italian and was in fact in Nutley, New Jersey, as they were practically every Sunday for dinner at Grandma and Grandpa's house on Princeton Street, and then stopping by other Grandma's house on Taft Street on the way home. So Father Whalen just left a note encouraging my parents, saying how much he loved seeing them with the three boys on Sunday. More than likely, he saw how exhausted my parents were as they were navigating musical pew to get one of us away from the others who were messing around. And he just added, Make sure little Jimmy gets to Mass every week. I doubt my brothers even remembered the note or this whole episode, but that was a a memory when I first 
recognized that God knew me, that he saw me, that he cared for me. Not that I was confused thinking that Father Whalen was God, but he was all the way up there in the front of Mass on Sunday at church, so obviously he worked for him, so I figured that had to be a big deal. And there are moments like that throughout my early years, through middle school, through high school, through college, that in hindsight are so notable. But they were happening just as life continued. Ordinary, very common things that anyone experiences. Struggling with grades in school, the ups and downs of trying to find yourself, striking out athletically, but then getting involved with student government and becoming a student leader and finding my circle of friends there. Dating and the ups and downs of those first heartbreaks, those cringeworthy stories that years later you still blush out of embarrassment. For me, the idea of priesthood was always there, but so many other options were as well. It wasn't until my senior year of college that I decided it had been a question long enough that I needed to be a little bit more intentional and attentive about it. So I, I made an appointment with the vocation director for the Archdiocese of Newark. Now at the time, I was in school in Pennsylvania, so when I told my parents I was coming home, that's when things got interesting. My mother asked, why was I coming home this specific weekend? And I explained I was going to meet with the vocation director. And that's when she went completely Italian mother crazy. She started 20 questions that sounded like I was either entering the military or committing to some mortgage release. What does this mean? What are you going to do? You're not signing something, are you? As the conversation became more and more animated, she announced, I'm coming with you. To which I responded, you're not invited. If you want to meet with the vocation director, make your own appointment. And that stopped turning her tracks and she got silent and I figured, I'm a man, I'm not an Italian mama's boy, you know. I met with the vocation director who explained the discernment process, the application process, and so on. And it felt right that I needed to take this a bit more serious and see where the Lord was leading as I initiated the process more formally. I never expected to get back to college and a few days later to have the vocation director call and say, Jim, in all these years that I've done this, I've never had this happen to me before, and I don't know what to make of this or where this leaves us. The concern in his voice and the tone was so different from where we had left things just a, a few days earlier that my mind started racing that what could have gone wrong? And then he said it. Your mother called. And she wants to meet with me. I still remember standing in my dorm room with the phone in hand, open-jawed and speechless. The confident 20-year-old who thought he was so clever and dismissive with his make-your-own-appointment was obviously not as smart and obviously forgotten who he was dealing with. Fortunately, another priest who I knew well and also knew my family well happened to be working with the vocation director and he assured him that while this was way unorthodox and unprecedented that he should meet with them. So literally on the night of my 21st birthday, as I'm out with my friends celebrating that rite of passage at a local bar, my parents went to go meet the vocation director to talk about their son wanting to be a priest. At the heart of all their concerns and worries that they said that they thought was, I would be a good husband and a good father. And at 20 years old, I had so many options ahead of me that they were worrying that me going into seminary, I was giving all that up. 
And the vocation director kind of listened to them and he said, but isn't that the kind of guy that you'd want to be a priest? Someone you think would be a good father, a good husband, and could be doing anything else? Don't you think that's the kind of person that maybe Jesus wants to be his priest? And that struck them, and it caused a 180-degree shift for them. That almost immediately helped them to realize that this call to priesthood wasn't because I was special or different. What's special and different is the call to priesthood itself. And for my parents, that in sacrificing what they might have wanted for me, as I sacrificed what I might have wanted, and trusting that God's plans and his purposes and his dreams are far greater than any of us could imagine, would not only bring a joy to my life and to their lives, but even more would bring his joy and his love and his service of what Jesus lays out in the gospel as he's dealing with his first priest tonight in that gospel passage. Proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Being gifted with his mission of curing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, driving out demons. That passage that we heard as Jesus first commissions the twelve comes in the ninth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. Those twelve were far from canonized saints or the statues and stained glass images that we often have of them. They were ordinary men. They had families, they had friends, they had jobs, they had dreams and ambitions, just like each and every one of us. They had some incredible gifts and talents. They also had some struggles and obvious weaknesses. They were not perfect. They were human beings who were following Jesus. They were listening to him teach. They had just witnessed the healings of the paralytics, a dead girl being brought back to life, the healing of the two men blind from birth, and then a man who also had been mute, being able to speak. And as much as they were excited, had their minds blown, nothing could have prepared them for this particular day when he looked at them and said, now you do it. But not on their own merits or their own abilities or their own worthiness. Rather, in spite of those things, they could only do those things as much as they died to themselves and said yes to him. When they listened to Jesus and trusted Jesus. Jesus' heart is still moved for us, his people. Nothing escapes his notice and his care when he sees the chaos and the confusion of this world where so many people have not simply moved away from faith and religion but have grown indifferent or even hateful to God. When the illusions and delusions of this world continue to entrap and ensnare people into dangerous behaviors and destructive ideologies, where the world has become far more accessible from one continent to the other, in a way our ancestors of just a few generations could never have dreamed, yet people are lonelier and more isolated and disconnected than ever. Jesus sees all that, and his heart is moved with pity for us because so many are troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. But it doesn't have to be like this. It's not supposed to be like this. And one of the ways that Jesus addresses those realities is through his priesthood. Are we doing, as he says in tonight's gospel, asking for laborers for his harvest? Are we praying and fasting for vocations? 
How do we speak about vocations? We all know the bad stories, the priests and religious who failed. But why is it in our day and age that we seem to focus on the Judases rather than the other 11? Can we share stories of the priests, the sisters who cared for us, who were there for us, who cried with us, who walked with us and our families, and just maybe encourage our children or our young people to be open-minded and open-hearted to that possibility? I love being a priest. A few weeks ago, I was able to attend the ordination in the first mass of a young man for the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, that I've been blessed to work with in spiritual direction. And watching this new priest, I couldn't help but remember how overwhelming and kind of surreal it was that first time celebrating the Mass, celebrating the sacraments, standing in Christ's place, letting him cover me with his priesthood, and using my voice, my presence, my very life to make his life real and present. But I could say that while those first jitters and nerves are gone, the awesomeness and the surrealness is greater than ever. I feel more humbled and at a loss now than I did 24 years ago, recognizing how God continues to become real and present through the shepherds he provides in his priests.